with the tagline, the future of law enforcement. Just right, just stop there. This is going, that's going on Instagram, that whole thing. That's a, that's a real right there. The whole Jumanji. I love it. <laughs> Welcome to social media. <laughs> Welcome to Born to Watch. We're three old mates, an ex-video shop owner, an industry insider, and a black belt in 80s kung fu movies put their mastery to the test on movies that change the world. Hey there, fellow watchers. It's Whitey, and here's another episode of Born to Watch. I'm actually very excited to discuss tonight's movie with my two co-hosts, a movie that I found to be seriously more violent than what I remembered and actually sets the director apart with a man with a vision on what he thought the world was going to be like. 1987 has become our most reviewed year with this movie. Now freeze, dead or alive, you're coming with me for Robocop. Let's meet the team. G-Man, how are you tonight? Excellent. Thanks for having me. Great to be back. Super Bowl Monday. It's been a big day. Big day out there. Yeah, I didn't watch Did one minute of it. Really? I was working. Yeah. I was oh. I was watching the score, but didn't watch any of the game. I'm going to watch the uh, highlights tonight. Real world. Yeah, I know. It got me. Got me. It doesn't happen very often. Trust me. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Dan, up there on the land, looking very slick after a night of boxing? Yeah, I'm rooted. It's bloody hot up here on the land. Um, just on the NFL. That, that's definitely become pretty popular amongst uh, some of our mates it has what's uh you'd you'd be what you'd be a, a new york team or giants or something like that wouldn't you I, I i do follow the giants dan yep but i uh, i did pick i did pick the chiefs in today's match i've been a big pat mahomes fan myself like him a lot He's i was kind of hoping the eagles would win i don't know why maybe because there's an aussie in there yeah. maybe jordan Maylata playing yeah. i don't know but he's a huge man yeah i thought they had that down too but what about you dan you all over it you watch that today? No, nah, I'm not into it. Yeah, no, it seemed that way by the uh, text thread that we had going during the day. <laughs> I just like to wind up those knobs, but <laughs> no, I've had another big week on the land. I mean, first and foremost, I want to say thank you to our new sponsor. Uh, the guys at Boiling Pot Brewery reached out to me, and uh, they, they said that sometimes I go on like a dribbler because I've had too much pisola. So they've actually sent me their best behaviour ale. Which is uh, it's a mid strength. Wow. So yeah, first time I've tried that, but thanks, boiling pot. Uh, still got a bit of fruit about it, so good taste. But yeah, boiling pot brewery, best behaviour. Don't know if I'll live up to that, but thank you very much. Uh, I also received written confirmation from the Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences about my 2024 application for voting rights for the Academy Awards. So long story short. Uh, I did not make the cut. Unfortunately, Again. I was yeah, I was last man standing. So they fucking gave my spot to Clyde from Every Which Way But Loose and Every Which Way You Can. <laughs> so which I thought was a fair cop, but uh, anyway, I missed out on that. Um, I thought I'd try my hand at, at, at a new farm skill this week as well. So I thought I'd, I thought I'd try my hand at blacksmithing. So I went down to Bunnies and I, I grabbed myself an anvil and a kiln <laughs> oh, and a God. and a forge. And uh, I started off slowly, so I've, I've just been make, making some metal blobs. Um, they, they'd make good paperwork weights for giants. But I'm going to step it up a notch this week, and I'm going to make myself a broadsword. So, yeah, I'll keep you posted. For what? 
you're pending well, attack know. up there, you know, doom, are you becoming a doomsdayer, Dan? Yeah, well, you never know what's going on in this world, so it's always handy to have a uh, a, a broadsword lying around. And I fancy myself as, as that that style of blacksmith. I'm not going to make any fucking horseshoes or any of that shit. It's all it's going to be weapons all the way. So yeah. Hey, Mor- hey, Morgs. Hmm. How many burns? <laughs> oh, mate, you got I, a heap yeah, of hair I, on those arms, mate. A heap of hair. It was more the uh, it was getting used to the anvil, which was harder. So oh. I don't, I don't. Ha- don't have many hits in me for uh, before my noodles start to get away. <laughs> oh. so, yeah, but yeah, well, good, good work on the land. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll we'll move on from the doomsday prepper up there at Noosa. Oh, new skills, Morg. This is it. Anvil. He didn't know what an anvil was before he went to Bunnings. Thought that looks like a new fad. I'm all over it. If you want to support the podcast and help the show grow, make sure you subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And please share it to all your friends. We're actually seeing a bit of love this week, so thank you very much to that. You can also find us on all the social networks, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, MySpace, Yahoo Messenger. Feel free to reach out and join our burgeoning community. As I just mentioned, after last week, we had quite a few listeners reach out. It actually makes us feel like we're making a difference in people's lives that aren't related to us by blood. We'll get to that feedback. I know Morgs is hanging by it. He really wants it. He wants the lick outs. He lives by them. Can't wait. And we'll get to them a little bit later on in the show. Look, I remember being blown away, pun intended, by Robocop as a kid. But I haven't seen this for, I reckon, at least 10 years. So, boys, when did we first see Robocop? Yeah. I did not see this at the movies, but I do remember it was 87. Yes. So we were year seven. So I remember Morgs quoting this movie over and over and over and your move creep yeah, and was things a, like that. And it was, was a heavily quoted movie by very us. Very heavily quoted. And and I remember Morgs right into it. So either at his place or your place, I'm, I'm going to wager. It was one of those. Yeah. But uh, I definitely saw it a little while after it came out and just thinking, what is this movie he keeps talking about? Yeah. What about you, Dan? Yeah, that's Gow's completely right. Year seven, but I didn't see it with you guys. I watched it with my neighbours. They were right into it as well. Ah, right. Uh, so it's- yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, Phil and Dan, they were massively into this film, so I'd flick around over to their joint in the afternoons, and, yeah, we watched it so many times. But like you guys, I haven't seen it for a long time, so it was very good to revisit it and just uh, remember what all the fuss was. But, yeah, some of those quotes, Gow, they just came flooding back to me. I, I did used to give this a, an absolute running in uh, in our normal day-to-day communicado. I used to walk around saying, I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah. And I, I was always thinking to myself, what is that? What is that from? Like, till I finally saw it. Yeah. And that's just him negotiating. <laughs> you know, it goes and buys a house. It's on the market for 1.2. He goes, I'll buy that for a dollar. It's that called was, the low ball. That was, the, that was the Santa Cruz yeah. skateboard. <laughs> Look, I, I'm a bit the same here. Obviously, it was rated R, and even though I probably could have gotten in, you know, 1987 to an R-rated movie, I oh, didn't. Cole would have been that, no problem. Absolutely, she would. She would have given me the 450 for Hoyt's twin. Mate, you're into Fatal Attraction in this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, Fatal Attraction only rated M. This was R, so right. this was the did next step see, up. I, see, I think we brought it up before, but did you see Basic Instinct at the movies? Uh, yes, I did see Basic Instinct at the movies. Another Paul Verhoeven joint. Yeah. Yeah, it, and I tell you what, after after watching this, God, he's got he's got some tropes, old Paul. He mm. really does. I really like him. He's a great director. Yeah, very good. Done yeah. some good stuff. We'll get to him a bit later. Mad, Absolutely, Mad Dutchie. Yeah, definitely, big time. Uh, so yeah, look, saw it later. Loved it. Watched it a lot. 
as a as a teenager into my early twenties, but haven't seen this. I reckon for ten years, as I said, going to set the over and unders at twenty on this one. I'll start with you, Dan. I think I know where yeah, you're going to be. What what? Well, well, well over twenty. It's been a while, but yeah, it would have it would be a huge number. It'd be a demo four. That's how big it'd be. Really? So what you're looking wow. at? 50, yeah. 50, 60. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. What about you? What about you, G Man? Not nowhere near as many as that. I'd be I'd be around the twenty mark, somewhere yeah. around there, maybe a bit under twenty. Yeah. Well, I didn't I didn't watch I haven't watched this for a long long time, but uh, we definitely gave it a few watches early on. Yeah, we did. Uh, I'm going to say that I'd be under fifty, probably around that forty mark of this movie. Love it, uh, and didn't realise how much I had missed it until watching it again. It's a really easy watch, really lean, uh, enjoyable sort of hour forty. So it was good. So, Gao, why don't you tell us about Robocop? With the tagline, the future of law enforcement, in a violent, near-apocalyptic Detroit, evil corporation Omni Consumer Products wins a contract from the city government to privatise the police force. To test their crime-eradicating cyborgs, the company leads street cop Alex Murphy into an armed confrontation with crime lord Clarence Bodica, so they can use his body to support their untested Robocop prototype. But when Robocop learns of the company's nefarious plans, he turns on his masters. Okay, I've got some umbrage with this. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. They don't lead him in there. It's not a ploy to get him yep. in there, and it only happens after the fact that they decide they're going to go with Robocop. Yes, when he's clinically dead. Yeah. So that's that's on the DVD cover, and that's actually on IMDb as well. <sighs> Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that's bad. I was I was wondering what you might come up with yeah, for that. That's not good. No. That's poor. Well done, Gal, though. I knew you knew. What do you think, Dan? Bullshit? Do you call bullshit on that one? Fucking bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know how that, yeah. That's, uh, is it, there must have been a guy making some pretty good brass back in the day writing DVD synopsis. Yeah. How do, re- you, how do you do that? I reckon that some people don't even see the movie. Maybe not. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he went to a different version. Maybe there's a different version that came out. Yeah. Interesting. Who knows? All right. Well, well done. Critical thinking. And we'll talk about how the movie rates. On IMDb, Robocop is a 7.6 out of 10. Pretty good. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it's 91% on the tomato meter and 84% audience score, which means the critics actually like this a little bit more than the public. Uh, very well rated movie for the, what it is. For just a 80s actioner, really. Interesting to see what we think about it. Okay, so the best part, becoming one of the best parts of the uh, of the podcast, it's going to be the Wayne Kerr uh, Memorial uh, Review. And here's the good from Mark Salisbury from Time Out. Vile, violent, and very funny. The pace is breakneck, and when the wit does run out, way out weaponry and whole-scale destruction keep the appalled excitement burning. Pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Now, we're going to go to old uh, our mate Wayne, uh, Dave Kerr, from the Chicago Reader. Robocop relies for most of its impact, and more disturbingly, for much of its comedy, on an absurd exaggeration of physical force. He, he's that, the pits, this guy. That's yeah. what it's supposed to be. He's the pits, yeah. Dave Kerr. How did he get a gig? Well, I will tell you what, like some of those, some of those shooting scenes are full on, aren't they? Like it's so violent. I this watched movie. it for so long. It is so violent. So there's two versions. I'm sure we'll get to this, but there were two versions. There was the original version, and there's now the the unrated version, which I think has become sort of like the Aliens, where the uh, director's cut has become the version to watch. Now, there's a lot of scenes which were 
not in the original, which are in this version that I think – did you watch this on Plex, Dan? Yeah, Plex. Yeah, well, that's the unrated version. This And the, the whole bit where Murphy gets shot and his hand gets shot, they get shot in the head. There's a lot of extra footage in there. So – yeah, I watched Super it. On, I watched yeah. it on Prime, so I made. I didn't get all of that. You, I don't think. I'm not sure you got the unrated, but also when the guy, the first guy, gets shot in the boardroom, he gets shot about fifty times. I know. He just keeps shooting yeah. him. Ed two hundred nine. And do you know the best? Yeah. After that, is one of the executives goes. Seconds to comply. Yeah. One of the executives goes. Somebody call a goddamn paramedic. I <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, mate, you needed him about seventy shots ago. Wait, that guy's not coming back. Uh, I've got to say, though, it must have been one hell of a uh, jacket that Murphy was wearing. Mate, he took some shots. Holy shit. He took a lot of shots. Yeah, he did. He did. Took more shots than uh, Jenna Jamison in the 90s. <laughs> anyway, gal, ordinary people, why don't you tell us about the cast and crew? All right, here we go. Peter Weller. Now, Peter Weller started off with a lot of stage and off-Broadway plays uh, at the for uh, the first part of his career for a, for a decent part of his career. And his film debut was in uh, Butch and Sundance, the early days in 1979. Uh, then he, his next, next big movie was shoot the moon in 84 with Diane, Diane Keaton and Karen Allen. And then he was in the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Yeah. Have you seen that? Oh, I can't remember if I've seen yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. I, I've tried to watch that just recently. It's on Plex Morgs. It is likened to big trouble in little China. Yep. Okay. It's that sort of style of movie. It's bad. Here's the here's the intro for it. I looked it up. Adventurer, brain surgeon, rock musician, Buckaroo <laughs> Banzai, and his crime-fighting team, the Hong Kong Cavaliers, must stop evil alien invaders from the eighth dimension who are planning to conquer Earth. It's really weird. So yeah, I um because it's come up a few times. There's been a few people in in this that we've crossed before. So. I've got to say though, his resume is as deep and 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 wide as Dan's. You know, yeah. brain surgeon, rock star. It's got Dan Morgan written all over it. Buckaroo Danzai. Had a few gigs <laughs> Peter Weller. Buckaroo Danzai. <laughs> but uh, look, in, but in Buckaroo Banzai, John Lithgow, Ellen Barkin, Jeff Goldblum, Christopher Lloyd. It's like, a cracking cast. Massive it's cast. A, geez, it's a bad movie. It really is. But look, after that, into into Robocop in eighty seven. He was in Leviathan in eighty nine. Uh, Robocop two, nineteen ninety. And then not a lot after that, he, he turned down Robocop three. He was filming another movie called Naked Lunch. Yeah, uh, and then turned down RoboCop three. Well, but that's a David Lynch film, Naked Lunch. I, I think, think so. Is yeah, it, is it is it David Lynch? It's uh very freaky, but yeah, they're Contagion in two thousand, um, and then he was he did a few episodes of different shows. He's in twenty four. He did a season of twenty four in two thousand six. Uh, did a did almost a season on Dexter with Stan Liddy in two thousand and ten, and a season on Sons of Anarchy as well. So he's a bit of a jobber. Yeah, but look, I am. Um, you know, I like to do a bit of research on these people, and I sometimes unveil some really good facts, some really cool facts. And here's one I found on... Uh, is, this, is this one of those times, Gal? This is one of those times. Okay. This is a gem of some trivia. Uh, one I found on IMDb about him. His nickname is Pete. That's Pete. an actual stat. That's an actual trivia stat on the site. Pete Weller. His nickname is... Yeah, Peter Weller. His nickname is Pete. <laughs> right, okay. Wow. Another one. He's the biological father of Kate Linden, who's the manager at Development Management Group. Right. Okay. <laughs> He's all over it. And I've got to say, Naked Lunch is not Lynch. It's David Cronenberg. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Weird. 
Yes, but anyway, yeah, you come across some crackers. Uh, I don't know how, why oh, these God. get put up there, but anyway. Wow. But yeah, look, he was he was actually chosen in this because of his build, because they couldn't fit someone bigger in, into the suit into the suit because of the size. And then they had to put an air conditioning into that suit yeah. because it was so hard to he wear. He lost a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. He lost like, that he, yeah, yeah lost three, like three pounds, pounds a day yeah, or something like yeah. that. But yeah, he was um, he was considered for another Paul Verhoeven movie in Basic Instinct. He was considered for Michael Douglas's role. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Which would have been interesting. I'm not sure how that plays out with him. Doesn't. But yeah, he turned down the role in a role in King Kong Lives in '86 to to star in this. Really? Yeah. Anyway, we'll move on. So Nancy Allen. So she did a ton of TV commercials as a young kid at around 15 or so, and then was in her first movie was called The Last Detail in 1973 with Jack Nicholson. That's Jack Nicholson, yeah. Yep. 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 And three years later, she starred as Chris Harginson in Carrie. She was a bit of a screen queen in the 80s, old Nancy Allen. Yeah. She uh, starred in a few horrors, didn't she? Yeah, she did. So, But she actually she actually went for the role of Carrie. She thought she'd get the role of that, and they, they, uh, they put she, her in, into that role. She got the bitch. She was yeah, she got the bitch. bitch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she was in Blowout in 81. That's a great movie. John Travolta. John Travolta. Excellent movie. That's Brian De Palma. Uh, Robocop, obviously, 87. Poltergeist 3 in 88. Um, and then she was in Out of Sight in 88 too with George Clooney. Ah, okay. Yeah. So getting back to that, she actually, yeah, she was in Brian De Palma did Carrie as well. Yes. But he, uh, Sissy Spacek actually read for that role and then he swapped them. He thought, you two will be better off this way around. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Sissy Spacek? Any thoughts? Oh, not really. I haven't seen her. I've been around for a long time. And she was in The Coal Miner's Daughter. I, uh, yeah, I saw she, that not long she, ago. She had a massive career, but she just doesn't look like a movie star, really. No. Dan, thoughts on She was pretty good in Carrie. What was that TV series she was in with uh, Mendo recently? And the dude out of Friday Night Lights uh, sit down in the Florida Keys. Up the Florida Keys. Blood, Bloodline? Bloodline, yes. Great, yeah. uh, great show, she, yeah. She was good in that. Yeah. I don't mind. I, I, look, she's not classically, I guess, a, a, a screen goddess like you were saying, but she's scary as fucking Carrie. Yeah, no, she's a lunatic in Carrie. Who's next, G? Um, well, Ronnie Cox. We've talked about Ronnie Cox before. Yeah, um, we he's, he's, a, he's a favourite of Born to Watch. He is, actually. Yeah, he, um, he's got a dialed up to 15 in this one. Yeah, he does. He plays, as, does, he's, he's as does everyone. Everyone's he, got going for it. but He's, he's essentially playing the, the same... He's playing his uh, Total Recall character. Really yes, exactly. Cahagan. Cahagan. Cahagan, yeah. yeah. He's no Bogomil in this. No, he's no Bogomil. Doesn't have the depth no. of Bogomil. <laughs> the depth. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, early on, he was. Is he that was fucking full in here? <laughs> we haven't had that. We haven't had that for a long time. I'll tell you what. He would have done well as the police, the police sergeant in this one too. Oh, for Actual sure. Yeah. Captain, he would have been Absolutely. good. Absolutely. I'm just took a little bit of ass there. <laughs> Don't fuck with me, uh. Axel. Not now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Deliverance 72 taps in 81 as Colonel Kirby. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop, obviously, as we said, in 84. And Beverly Hills Cop 287. And, yeah, the, the other major roles are Robocop and Total Recall, as we said. Um, another cracking stat about Ronnie Cox. Do tell. He's known to enjoy a good game of bridge. <laughs> yeah, you're you're bringing the heat tonight. Some people, some people go to some depths to place these online. All right, we'll keep going with Kurtwood Smith. Now, oh, yeah. 
everybody knows who Kurtwood Smith is as Red Red Foreman. Yeah. That's 70 70 that seventy show, yeah. yeah. But yeah, look, he's so he's been around a long time. That is that ninety show. Yeah, that's coming Netflix. out. That's it's coming on, out very soon. It's on, it's on now. Oh, it's on now. Is I'm it? I'm pretty sure it's on now. Yeah. But his first role was in a nineteen eighty episode of the series Soap, as Guy in Laundromat. Excellent. Um, but yeah, <laughs> he was in Rambo Three. Yeah, he was in Ro- well, Robocop. Was his first big role. Rambo Three in eighty eight. Dead he, Poet Society eighty nine. Yeah, he's the dad. His yeah, son commits Mr. suicide. Perry. Yeah, fuck me. Star Trek Four in ninety one. He's in Broken Arrow. Secretary Secretary of Defense Baird. Oh, that broken arrow to my oh, heart. He was in a time to kill. Ah. He was Stump Sisson. Stump Sisson. Yeah. What a name. Yeah, good name. Uh, Deep Impact in 98. Oh, we spoke about oh, Deep Impact last it. week. Yeah, we talked about yeah. last week, yeah. Yeah. But he, look, he actually went for the role that Ronnie Cox got in this. He was after that role of Dick Jones. And, oh, really? And when they said you're in the movie, he thought he got that role. And then they realized he, they put him in as the bad guy. Ah, right. That's yeah. what he auditioned for. Yeah. Um, an interesting little fact about him. You know when he goes into... Dick Jones's office, and he creeps out the, uh, oh, the the secretary. Secretary, and he's like, "Hey, what are you what are you doing after this?" God, that's actually his second wife. Oh, really? Yeah, that's his oh, wife. Yeah. God, <laughs> I tell you what, he's a fast healer. Yeah, God, he's got like vampire blood. He was the next day. He's he's been to the shit. Two days later, he's back to normal. Yeah, he was fine, <laughs> wasn't he? See my face. What what about how good his scarves were? Wore <laughs> some good scarves. I'm on the fence with I'm on the fence with uh, Clarence Bodica. I'm really on the fence with him. I think he could go either the, way. Ronnie Cox's character, everyone is just so over the top. I mean, it's just they stylistically, I guess, Verhoeven knew exactly what he was after, and it was cartoonish. So these boys just went ham. Yeah, it is over the yeah, top. It's, it's over the top. We won't go through any more of the cast. There's not really any reason to. Oh, we got to go. Laura Palmer's dad. Uh, what's his name? Wrapped in plastic. He's in there. You want to go? Well, just because it's Laura Palmer's dad. What's his name? Uh, what about the blood nut that gets Wise. turned into the Toxic, toxic Avenger style at the yeah, end? Yeah, yeah. Paul McCrane. Emil. I like it. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he turned up with uh, as a nude nut later on in ER. And a yeah, he's in ER. Mate, mm. he, he did like 10 years in ER or something yeah. like that. Yeah. He was in fame. He was in fame as well. No. A demo, a demo favourite. Yeah, he's Montgomery. Was, oh, shorts was under or over the trackies? Don't know. Damo, Damo can let us know on that. Damo, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> let us know how uh, Paul McCrane wore his pants in fame, please. We need that. You didn't <laughs> mention, though. I've got one I want to mention. Miguel Ferrer. Yep, I was going to mention Miguel Ferrer. So but... George Clooney's cousin. And right. he is a jobber, if there's ever been a jobber. And he's I love him in this movie. He's excellent as Bob Morton. Very, very good. No, he's really good in yeah, the movie. Yeah. Really I, I mainly know him from uh, he he did an episode of Will and Grace. <laughs> I'm sure you yeah, he was he was Nathan and and uh, Grace wanted to do some styling and and he was the big catch, but he wanted to date Will. Uh, you know, but Will didn't want to date him because he was an asshole. Really? So, yeah, mate. Uh, it was, Will Will's all about it. funny episode. Oh, it would have been sounds funny amazing. Episode, I'm gonna mate. look it up. Yeah. Look it up and give it a wide berth. Have okay, you ever uh, revisit Will and Grace lately, Gal, or is it off rotation for a while? Oh, it's not on Fox at the moment. No, it is. It is. It bounces around. Sometimes it's on. How far, how far do you dig to find it? I don't really. I just flick through. I only flick through and see what's on. Yeah. And just whatever's on, I'd watch The Middle. I don't really watch Will and Grace anymore. Don't watch Friends anymore. 
I rewatched Friends from start to finish about a year ago. Maybe through the uh, through the pandemic, I rewatched Friends from start to finish. Did you? Yeah. It was a grind at the end. A well, real I think fucking grind. I think we watched the last couple of seasons a few years ago, and that was it. And then I was like, oh, I'm done yeah. with that. I, I don't need to. The watch minute it that again. Rachel bones Joey, I'm out. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm done now. You can't do it. Anyway, what about 87G and the box office and all the other stuff that you've got? Well, first, I just want to quickly talk about Paul Verhoeven. Oh, how could we not f- remember to yeah. talk well, about Paul Verhoeven? I'm just going to give you. I know you guys will have some stuff on him, but I just, I just want to give you a couple of a couple of things on him. That this is the movies he did. Robocop, and like obviously he had a career. He's Dutch. He is. He had a, he had a, a a large career out of Hollywood yep. before before he came over, but just out of Hollywood movies. Robocop '87, Total Recall '1990, Basic Instinct '92, Showgirls '95, Starship Troopers. 97. One of the great movies. Hollow Man 2000. And then the last one was Black Book. Black Book is, have you seen Black Book? No. It is freaking amazing. Right. Yeah. Uh, World War II movie. It is a quality movie. Stars the um, Carice Van Houten, who's the Red, uh, yeah, yes, the Red Witch Game in of Thrones. Game of Thrones yeah. Possibly the best boobs in cinema. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Possibly. She's in she's probably in the top three. Married to Guy Pierce. She's now married to Guy Pierce. Yeah. yeah, she uh, he left his wife for her. Right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, look. One, one quick I can thing about, I know a couple of reasons why. <laughs> Fair enough. A couple of quick things about him. He became the first nominee ever to actually show up at the Razzie Awards, and he personally accepted the Worst Director and Worst Picture Awards for Showgirls in '95. What a boss. <laughs> Turn up, took his lumps. <laughs> How good. But what a run! You that run that you just spoke about, where you've got you've got RoboCop. Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Show, forget Showgirls, then Starship Troopers, and then Hollow Man, and then yeah, and then Hollow Man because that's two thousand. Black Book's not till two thousand six. That's a run, massive run. That's why I was just yeah, going through. That that's a, a huge run in the is, in the early nineties. There are is some. Hollow, is Hollow Man Kevin Bacon? Yeah, yes, yes, he becomes the Invisible Man. Does he get his Elizabeth Shoe? He does. Yeah, yeah, this is in the caucasons of uh, Kevin yeah. Bacon. <laughs> It was in his. It was in all these contracts. That he had to get his wang out. Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, no sweat." Yeah. All right. You want a quick stat on Paul Verhoeven? Go for it. Go. This is this is research, right? This is online. He likes to drink cola light. <laughs> Any brand cola light? Just says cola light. Yeah, you got to stop this. I'm just the, the knowledge that I'm gleaning <laughs> from you is next level. Can you believe people put that up there? It's like a Wikipedia page, isn't it? Paul Verhoeven is an amazing director. He's great. Love him. Has made some of my favourite movies of all time. Now, Gow, tell us about the gross and the budget and all the other shit that you go through. All right, here we go. The overall gross was fifty four point one two million on a thirteen million dollar budget. Did eight million dollars on the opening weekend, so it ended up being the number seventeen movie money wise that year in eighty seven. Now we've been through eighty seven. It's a stacked year. Eighty seven. It's a yeah. stacked year. The Last Emperor got nine nominations. And won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Original Score. One, one whole Moonstruck had three wins as well. Broadcast News had seven nominations. Um, but Best Actor was Michael Douglas in Wall Street and obviously Cher in Moonstruck. And Sean Connery got the Best Supporting in... Untouchables. Untouchables. And Olympia Dukakis was in Moonstruck. No Academy Award nominations for Lost Boys. No Academy Award nominations for Predator. No award Academy Award nominations for... Lethal Weapon 87 or is yes. that 88? No, Lethal yep. Weapon. All the good movies, nothing. I, I'm not sure, like to go through what awards they may have been nominated for, but none of the major awards put it that yeah, way. Of course, 
So whether there's art direction or yeah. best best stage or whatever, you know, those Please. things, uh, I don't know. But look, we've been through this before. Number one was Whitey's favourite solo movie. Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction, 320 million. Beverly Hills Cop 2, 276 and a half million. Dirty Dancing, 213 million. What? Um, Living Daylights at 191 and Three Men and a Baby round out the top five. Time of my life. Very soulful. Like this before. When you're ready. Uh, <laughs> are, you, are you finished? Speaking yes. of and I owe it all to you. <laughs> hey baby. <laughs> now I have some popular songs from that year. Some other popular oh, songs, right? Oh, is there an, is it was there more songs released other than that one? Oh, Kylie mate. Minogue, Locomotion. Oh, mate, I had a massive crush on Kylie Minogue. Just just she a couple because I'm gonna I'm gonna lead you to one and see if you can get it. It's it's been on here before, but we'll just see. Living on a Prayer, Bon Jovi. Well, yeah, of should course. have been the number one song of the year. But Without anyway, whatever. Slippery People don't know what they're talking about. Yep. Um, Lean on me. Starship, nothing's going to stop us now. Let them say Manicure. you went crazy. We talked about this from Medicare. What do they know? Now, there was another song that came out that year we've had before, and I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this and see if you can get it. Uh. <laughs> Is that the only clue? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. Do it again. Uh, I just died in <laughs> your arms tonight. <laughs> 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 I couldn't uh, recreate it again. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have walked away. Oh, God. <laughs> cutting crew. Was it cutting crew? Yes, cutting crew. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. But yes, anyway, moving on. So yes, now we have covered five movies in eighty seven. Yeah, it's number it's our number one reviewed year. And by some margin, I think the next best year's got three. So yeah, eighty seven's charging. And I could pick another five. We could pick another five. Easy. There's heaps in there. Yeah. There's heaps in there. All right. Well done, G Man. We're gonna move into question time. Okay, number one. Is Murphy's death the most violent death of all time in an action film? Discuss. I, I was rocked. I, I remember that it was bad, but I was actually rocked watching it again. He just gets an absolute pasting. Yeah. So does the first guy in the, in the boardroom, but fire, I was just watching it going, geez, that's a lot. That's a lot of shots. Yeah. And he's still going. He gets shot like 70 times. He's not dead. He still crawls away. Yeah. He's even is not dead my, when they. Sh he got one arm gone. Yeah, that was full on. Yeah. Is it my Stanbush Creek House credit song this week or yours? No. No, it's Gow's. Oh, I did one yeah. too, and okay. it was based on it was based on that death because I was just blown away by it. And my song is called "Don't Need Hands to Hold You," and I've gone back to a power ballad because I've <laughs> been like stuck it. in the, the same melody for a while. Don't need. Yeah, hands well, I, to hold I'm, you. I am 
more than happy to take two kick-ass credits on. Yeah, on sorry, yeah. You can go first because yours will be Bob Bernie Torp and mine's... No, mine's no, mine, not... mine's called Don't Feel Bad. Don't Feel Sad. <laughs> Don't Feel Sad. One of those. <laughs> Cryptic. Don't Feel Bad or Sad. Neither. <laughs> Don't Feel Nothing. Yeah. So we... Uh, I, I'm... I can't remember a death on film that rocked me as much as that. Well, the only one that death. rocked me more was Ed 209's first killer, the executive in the boardroom. Yeah, that was full yeah. on. Both of those, I think, are one and two for uh, yeah. extra ultra violence. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was incredible. I'm think, I don't know what I think of it, but Tom Berenger in Platoon, but that was more, because it wasn't as violent, but it was more. Oh, doing Charlie. Oh, Sheen no, you mean it, yeah. Willem Dafoe? Willem Dafoe, sorry. Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe, Dafoe yeah. yeah. But you don't you don't see much there. Like, no, it's not as, is, it's not as graphic. You are front row center yeah. for one of the great movie deaths in history. And Will we've actually got was he was who I was trying to think of the other week. He's got a really big dick. <laughs> yeah, he does. And apparently, when they uh, him and Madonna made that movie, they actually had sex. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah, she was up for it. Have you seen Madonna lately? Yeah, Madonna was, was up for it. Really? The same thing. Let oh, it go, Jesus Christ! You know what Madonna's starting to look like? Madonna's starting to look like the uh, the the fat storm from um, Big Trouble Little China when he's blowing himself <laughs> up. <laughs> mm, yes. Yeah, it's sad. Okay, it's so sad. extreme satire in this movie. How close are we to having a company like OCP rule the world? It's it's, it's quite frightening. It, 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 is it starting maybe, already? Of course. No, yeah. I, like I think I think he was quite prescient. In predicting a lot of this, this shit going on, but even if you look at Mayor of Kingstown, another more uh, more modern movie that we're looking at, where you've got private firms moving into the the prison space and and providing those services, I think the the fact that capitalism is impacting on what were social services and and the fact that there are towns where the police force is private, and uh, and certainly other services are going. No, I think that that prompted uh, film school for efforts this week. Basically, this this particular film. I know on my first viewing, I wasn't really thinking about the um, how evil capitalism was and uh, and the rest of the the satire that permeates it. But uh, film school for Fwitz is all about films with hidden meaning that you may have missed in the first forty or so viewings uh, that only come is, when you reach a certain age. Is Bloodsport in that list that you've got? Bloodsport is not in that list. Okay, right. just thought like, I'd check. Uh, yeah, fairly uh, okay. by the numbers. Yep. I want to know how Bogomil gets him to be in the directive. How does he how does he get that one through? Well, he's number 2. He's he's the boss. But it's interesting that the that he's able to have it hidden. Have it be a hidden directive. It's yeah. A stretch. Yeah. And then as soon as the other guy says you're fired. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Love so, it. So RoboCop <laughs> RoboCop just can just process all of this. He can, he's the master. Yeah. He's the master. Okay, look, this film is set in 1997. Along with other great futuristic thrillers like T2 and Predator 2. Probably a bit soon, 10 years, to be assuming there's going to be, could it be, could have been 2007 or 2017? Seems to be probably a bit close in 10 years. Thoughts? I, we've talked about this before. We have, the Jetsons have a lot to answer for. Like <laughs> the, world, the world just hasn't gone on the, the future span that we thought it was. Prince wanted a party like it's 1999. I mean, 1999 parties were shit. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, they were. So, on, Morgan, no, how can you how can you say that, Morgs? We were traveling. We were out partying together all the time. I oh, remember. We Actually, we yeah, we're on the banks of the Thames 
1999 right. for, uh, for for the millennial, waiting for the two, Y2K bug to fuck the world. That's but right. that was a bit of a hoax. Yeah. What was that, that pub we used to go to where they used to give us two for one Aussie beers? Back or the. <laughs> The, um, the no, Whitey's got a name for it, like the uh, the pheasant and nuts or something like. You always take the piss. The, no, no, I, used to say, I used to say the dog and bollocks. That's it, the dog and bollocks. The dog and bollocks. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we were ensconced in the UK back in the uh, the late nineties, and oh, I guess it was pretty fun back in the yeah. Prince was onto it. Sorry, I take that back. Okay, so I, we could talk about your travels forever, but we'll get to something else you prefer to talk about, and maybe that's the lickouts. Now, we've had – should we have a travel pod? You, you guys go for it. You guys go for it. Right. Uh, unbelievable. That's what this is, isn't it? You know, just masquerading as a movie podcast, but it's really about uh, just two just guys, get- just two best mates just travelling around the world, like getting into adventures. You're like Cain and Abel from Kung Fu. Yeah, we are. Right, yeah. Kung yeah, Fu. Right. We do have a couple messages from some listeners and a couple who have never messaged before, which is great. So we've got our first one from uh, Matt Beer Geek, uh, Instagram, through Instagram. So it says, hey, mates, I've only just stumbled across your podcast and I've got to say it's an absolute ripper. I laugh my balls off when I'm driving around listening to this. As a massive movie lover, you have brought back so many memories of these 80s and 90s classics. Anyway, bloody love it. Thank you and keep up the good work. Legend. Matty, welcome to the team. Good on you, Beer Geek. And, mate, you sent through a plethora of movies, and we'll get to some of them in the future. Remember, guys, reach out. We're happy to take requests if they, if we feel like it. We can't promise anything. Anyway, another one, uh, Strangles, who we have spoken to a bit in the past before we get to our other one. This is after Raiders of the Lost Ark pod. Great episode, chaps, and a great movie. I reckon this did not stop playing in my house for two years. For two years straight, so over 42 for me. First one overs, though. Thanks again to Dan for bending my mind as I watched The Machinist. How Bale didn't die on that diet is beyond me. Really enjoy how it played out and then the reason for his state of mind, body, during the story. Also watch the menu on the plane back from Perth to Auckland. Not sure what I think about it yet. By the way, waiting for the I am a born to watch fuckwit t-shirt still. Don't worry, mate. That design is coming. A bit more concerned about your love affair with Dan on the land. Yeah, good work. Uh, you picked the right person to get behind on this podcast and I'll keep serving you the, serving you the good stuff. But yeah, Machinist, definitely worth a look. I, I've got a, in, got a couple for you later on too. And if you like this, watch this. I've also got one from a an old... Uh, a mate, well, I'll go call him a mate because he's a mate. A guy that I met uh, in Avalon when I had the video shop. Oh, did Phelpsy. Tom? Is it Phelpsy? No, it wasn't. It's not Phelpsy. It's Come not, on, Phelpsy. No, Come no, on, no, Phelpsy. But, uh, but he reached out. I thought. I thought that our only our only fan in Unzud was was Strangles, and he's an Aussie, so he doesn't count. But but did sit Tom. Reached out, so he's loving listening to us. He's having a lot of fun. It takes him back to when we used to chat in the video shop, uh, and I used to bag him out about his terrible accent. But uh, keep listening, Tom. He's now a father with two kids, so he's got plenty of time to be listening to A Born to Watch. Good on you, Tommy. Yeah, he's a good fella. Okay, so into the categories. 
bad and the ugly. Let's start with you, G man. For good, what do you got, mate? Bodica's neck scarf. <laughs> it's a cracker. It reminded me of the one that the chief wears in Mad Max, but he ran it with no shirt. Yeah. And the Labatouche. Yeah, and Is Bodica, it Labatouche? Yeah, Labatouche. Yeah. But Bodica didn't wear it like that, but he still got it. I was like, you're supposed to be this badass crime lord and you you're running a scarf. He actually ran a couple. When he kills um Morton, he comes in, he's wearing a black shirt with the with the collar up and a pink, purpley pink tie on. Yeah. It's a tuck out tie for sure. For sure. <laughs> but um but yeah, like he he runs some really good fashion, but he has those big neck neck tie. I, I really liked it. The other one was the um the gas station scene where oh, Emil blows good. him up, you know, and he's like we killed you. We killed you. That is good. And when he and then he walks out of that's so iconic when you see the whole yeah. station blow up. Yeah. And the best bit is the guy behind the counter, when he sees it's going to blow up, he grabs his books. He grabs his books. He's he a, grabs his books before he runs. He's a pure nerd. He's <laughs> a pure, pure nerd. nerd. But uh, yeah, that that to me is so iconic of of this whole movie. Like it's just something that always stood out to me when I was young. That like that's that's the big scene. And you know when it cuts back and you see it all blow, and he's just walking. You out. can't fake that. Like they no. filmed that. I don't know how they've done that because he's there's whether it's a robot robot, but it's not because it was an, an actor in it the whole time in the suit. But yeah. this he's in the explosion. I don't know if it's been. Well, it walks out. Yeah, I don't yeah, know how they incredible. do it, but it, it looks amazing. Yeah. And I was thinking that is just a highlight. I mean, there's some some violence in this movie, Absolutely. but that was yeah, it's good. That's that was a, good a cracker scene. of a scene to a great me. Scene. That it? Yep. That's okay. it. Okay. What about you, Dan? Up there, what do you got? A couple for me, Peter Weller, I thought his performance was, uh, especially on the review, quite amazing. So just the way he was able to capture the movements of, of what he, how he felt a robot would walk and also how he's able to convey emotion just with his mouth, essentially. Because if you think about before he gets the, uh, the Robocop mask shot off, we literally just see his lips throughout and still you're able to, to feel what he's feeling at the time. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think he did a great job. Um, he's got a bit of a head too. So, uh, yeah, he did, did very well. Um, and then the other thing was just the, the style of the film. When I went back to this, it just straight away, the, you could, Paul, Paul Verhoeven's got such a unique style and you could see Total Recall and you could see Starship Troopers in this 100%. film. 100%. Even though it was uh, arguably B, a B-movie in the fact that it was, it was $30 million budget, which was, which was ample, but, and they certainly didn't um, didn't use a lot of it in the uh, the CGI, but they were mostly practical uh, um, stunts and and um, and, and uh, uh, practical effects throughout the movie. But yeah, you could just really pick up his vision as a director that was uh, was very evident in in Total Recall and Starship Troopers, which I really like. So the Mad Duchy was definitely onto it. And in these uh, Western films or Western uh, American films, he didn't have a penchant for for pubes and boobs like he does in his other films, which the man he loves them. He loves them. Yeah. So that's a, that's a bit of a shame. But He's yeah, actually awesome. got a T-shirt. It's called Pubes and Boobs. <laughs> <laughs> that could be another Born to Watch shirt, Pubes oh, and Boobs. They write, they write themselves. So. They do, don't yeah, they? Yeah, that's, uh, that's it. There was a couple other ones he used where we were showing his family, you know, and then and it pulls away from the camera really quickly, like yeah. fast forward. Yeah. It reminded me of Mad Max a lot. Yeah, does that that same sort of cinematography? Yeah, it was really he he does that. It's very it's individual, great. not not something you see very often. So you mentioned about it reminded you of Starship Troopers and Total Recall, uh, Dan, and I'm going to say that I really loved the the use of the television in mm. this movie. How it was, it was it was exposition, it, but it set the scene about what kind of world we're living in. Every time 
there was a news flash or something. It was something so out there that just said this place is fucked. Yes. Right. They're living in like it's the ass end of the earth. The the earth is gone. Like it. There's no. There's nothing that resembles what we're living in today. And I. No, and he it, does it was that near apocalypse and that yeah time. it the, was yeah the opening scene like if you think back like it's literally got nothing to do with the movie it's it's yeah it's uh well sorry as far as it doesn't drop you into what no, it just sets, it sets the scene it just sets the scene yeah it is it's so cool. clever and he and he did that he did that in total recall uh with all the ads for yep. recall and yeah. all the ads for mars he did that in starship troopers with all the stuff about join the academy and yes. like join whatever they are yeah exactly and he's so clever at like at using that. So I guess it's, it's almost sort of breaking that fourth wall a bit where, you know, it's, it takes you out of the movie and into the actual, uh, into the world, world which is mm. really real clever. Yeah, um, I loved, I love the point of view. And on your, like what you're saying, I love the Robocop point of view. And I love how it's like that old VHS sort of yes. look. I just, how it's, I thought that was really cool, really well done. Um, again, another action film, which is really lean and mean, like no bullshit. And this is an this was the extended uncut version that I watched with the Dan watch as well. And there's there's every again every scene's got a purpose. There's no wasted time. It's it's really it's really clever that way. And it would have been very easy to to extend scenes. I say there's some scenes that I would like to have seen more, but what you get is enough. And obviously the violence is like super over the top. Uh, I'll back you up on Peter Weller, but I actually think he's way better as RoboCop than he is as Murphy. Like he's yeah. way, more, I reckon he's way more emotive as RoboCop, especially when he takes his helmet off. Like yeah. again, like that's Rob Boteen, the guy that was the super, uh, super effects, special effects supervisor on the thing. Yes, did this. That is flawless. That suit when his head's when he's taken the when he takes. Yeah, it's those amazing, isn't it? Fucking huge screws yeah. out of the side of his head. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering about that, but they've only used his face and part of his brain, right? Well, that's so, it. supposedly. Yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah. it. So, um. Yeah, like, but I think he's great. He's great as Robocop, and I think he's you know, not as good as Murphy, but very, very good when he's Robocop. No, but they start to humanize him as as he yeah, as he bit. remembers more. Yeah. They start to humanize him a bit again, and they do that really, really well. Yeah. And I love it. Bringing back to a human. To I love a, it know. at the end. Right? You know, what's your what's your name, son? Murphy. Murphy. <laughs> yeah, very good. Okay, uh, bad. What's up with you, Dan? Up there on the land. What do you got? Yeah, uh, just one that I thought was particularly poor. It's the point of a U shot where they we were watching what Murphy was sorry, what Robocop was watching as he was getting his final touches. And you see one of the scientists is working on Robocop and he's using a drill. And if you look closely, that's definitely a wooden bit. It's not a masonry bit. You just wouldn't <laughs> use, you would not use that on a wow. robot. I mean from the land, I'm in my workshop a lot, and I just you know you did, no no one with any handy skills would would do that. It was appallingly bad. And uh, okay, the, the the second bad was Ed two oh nine hasn't aged very well. Uh, I thought when he was stationary and you were fifteen seconds to complete, yeah. yep. it was fine. Yep. that was great. But the moment they did the stop motion uh, graphics with him, it was, it's just aged it so, so badly. And the rest of the film with all the practical effects hasn't aged as bad. No, so not at all. It was a, that was a real shame. Unfortunately, it's almost like you'd like to give Behoven another go at it to bring it up to speed because it was, uh, yeah, it was super, What about, super what about the noises, the animalistic noises when it falls down? Yeah. The, yeah. But when he's falling down, he's squealing and stuff. Yeah. It sounded like the pig out of Razorback. It did. Yeah. <laughs> Great fleet. 
Yeah, grateful. Mate, yeah, yeah. I, look, I had that as well. That that CGI. I mean, the, you're right. The start of it was fine, and yeah. you're thinking, oh, it was a it's pretty you know badass machine, and then that CGI just ruined it. Yeah, it it reminded me of the the dogs or the wolves out of Ghostbusters. You know, like where it, yeah. it's a bit clunky and it yeah. doesn't quite. Even fit. that was yeah. I think it was even worse than and that it was, was three years four years on from then. So. Yeah, that's right. Mm. I think it was, but it just reminded me of that because it just it just looks out of place in the whole movie. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I had. And also the other one we already covered was somebody call a goddamn paramedic. Yeah, that was because it was good. just not needed. That was not good. Call an ambulance. Call a meat wagon in, in the Mad Max store. Um, okay, Murphy's shirt when he turns up to the precinct isn't is heinous. It's like a black. It's too big for him. It's got some sort of fluoro pattern on it. It's just a shit shirt. Uh, something that Anthony Meehan would have worn in the early nineties. Um, and the doctors, when Robocop is having his nightmare and they're sitting two meters away from him and he's, he's, he's having a fit and there's stuff coming up on the screen and the heart rate monitors going, the brain monitors going, all this kind of stuff. And Bodica's face is coming up on the screen. I'm like, fuck guys, wake up. This is your job. Like they're giving you stuff. It's so bad. And they're eating the hamburgers. It's just like, and they can't even notice he's in the background. It's pathetic. That that's the, and that's it I've got for bad. Uh, I do, I do have a couple things for anyone. Going to leave for ugly. I all I had, and it, we've spoken about it a bit, but that first kill in the boardroom, if it has been embellished in the director's cut, which you and I watched, just it is so, so, so violent. Yeah. Like it just goes on and on and on and on and on. So I guess that was there. He was trying to to make it cartoonish so that it it, it fit with the rest of the the theme of the film. But God. It was uh, it was definitely way 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 over the top. Yeah, yep. I had the the all the people, the executives. They has about twenty five of them in the room. Yeah, and yeah most of them are like twenty five and thirty. They look like yeah. Like, there's the old man, and then there's the rest of them are young. I'm like, yeah. what sort of a company is this? Yeah, a, a shit. And there one. was tons of them. A shit one. Yeah. A How few... good's their logo though? OCP. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good logo. Clever. Really clever. Yeah, OCP. Yeah. yeah, you know me. <laughs> well done, Jake. Uh, look, I've got the, the boardroom death is hardcore. Uh, I've also got Murphy. Murphy's death is <laughs> fucking super hardcore. And the screws that come out of his head are like five inches long. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty brutal when he screws them out. I was like, oh, yeah. fucking hell. Yeah, I thought his whole head was going to fall off. Yeah. The back of his head was coming yeah. off. Yeah. For sure. It was good, though. Uh, okay, that's good. So, Morgs, what about <laughs> Quickfire? Yes, uh, F Wits, let's get into what is fast becoming the number four favourite part of this podcast. Here we go, quick fire. So first up, it's That's Not a Knife for a scene that is passed over into popular culture, a la Mick Dundee out of Crocodile Dundee and the seminal That's Not a Knife. Anything out of Robocop that you think is, is really passed over? Bitches leave. I think that's probably just us. I don't know that many people are quoting that in uh, in everyday life. Cow, anything? I know I used to just bomb you with uh, with with quotes from this movie, but I don't know that that the the, the mainstream population is really has has embraced Robocop perhaps as much as us. No, but I, I think also too because you used to say like your move creep and dead or alive, yeah. you're coming with Does me. It hurt? I used to say that all yes, the time. All the time. <laughs> Does it hurt? <laughs> um, um, but that, yeah, um, so. but that also because that that video game was really popular back then too, and all of those were in it, and all of us that played 
those video games, you have, if you had Robocop online, all those things were in it all the time. Yeah, for they, sure. They were always around. It kind of helped no, the video I don't, game that but well as uh, real clunky robot walk because it, it fit the graphics of the time. Yes, the Robocop. Yes. So he, he moved exactly like Robocop yeah. did in the movie, which was good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so no, look, I, I, probably not uh, an equal to that's not a knife in this film. Philip no. Stuckey, uh, J- Jason Alexander. <laughs> out of our favourite Cool Girl with a Heart of Gold film for the biggest douchebag in the film. I mean, look, they're all, everyone is just dialing it up to, to, to 16 out of 10 as far as ham-fisted acting in this one to make it super comical. But anyone that really stood out as a particularly poor, evil douchebaggery? Bob Morton's a bit of a dick, isn't he? Massive dick. Mick Gilferra. Yeah. Um, and yeah. when he goes, like the guy that he goes up in the lift with gets mauled by a thousand bullets and he's just like, yeah, stiff shit. <laughs> what about what about Clarence Boddicker when his mate gets shot in the van? He's like, can you fly, Bobby? Yeah. <laughs> he just throws him out. I was like, yeah. that, that's pretty bad. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty, pretty bad. evil, Clarence. But uh, look, Anyone in the gang. That, the, anyone, you know, everyone in the gang is pretty bad. Yeah. The African-American guy in the gang is a pain in the ass. Joe Cox. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cast a Caddyshack for actor actors in the film that think they're in a completely different film to everyone else, a la the entire <laughs> cast of Caddyshack. Uh, I don't know. Everyone seems to get the tone of this. No, this I, I, th- I think I think there's no one. I think that yeah. this is they're all on point for the for what they're looking at. Yeah, Paul Verhoeven's got a he knows exactly what he wants out of everyone. I think he gets it. So yeah, well played, Crazy Dutchie, Ripley running a la Sigourney Weaver in the Aliens franchise for a particularly poor form of athletic prowess a la Ripley running in Aliens. I don't think so. No, no one really. I, I, uh, I, got, a, I got one though. It's, yeah. it's harsh though. Like uh, Toxic Man when he's trying to oh, go away. Yeah, toxic Man. Oh, I, I mean, me. Hit me. Not long after the Toxic Avenger films, which we all liked as well, like it was nuclear waste, toxic waste was a bit of a trope in in these uh, near apocalyptic and post apocalyptic movies. So yeah, it was good to see his fingers hanging off and uh, his lips going full on. Yeah, he turns pretty quick, doesn't he? He does. It must have been some serious shit. (laughs) He turns pretty quick. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll say that uh, that Lewis she doesn't she doesn't bounce back well from falling down onto the cardboard boxes. Nancy Allen falls asleep. Yeah, she takes she a went, while to get up, yeah. and then and then she stumbles back. And there's not much she can do by that yeah. stage. But she, but maybe she if she had, doesn't have to do a double take early on, then he doesn't become Robocop. Uh, yeah, exactly. The she, Wang. She looked at the she, Wang. She had a double take. She had a look at the Wang. And Joe Cox. Well, that's the biggest dick. That's the biggest dick in the movie. Oh, <laughs> Joe Cox's Wang. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well played, Joe Cox. And Lewis couldn't get enough oh. of it. Should have just shot him. I tell you what, she's yeah. a pretty shit cop because. Like she gets hammered there, and then she just turns up in the car, and Bodica just shoots her seven times. Yeah. She doesn't even get a chance to get a gun out once. <laughs> Mate, everyone can take a bullet though in this film. Like you're not. Mate, getting, they just get okay. shot yeah. after shot after shot. Yeah, it's, it's she does take impressive. down the bloke in the precinct early though. She she belts the hell out of him. She does shoot um, uh, Laura Palmer's dad as well with you, the big yeah. fuck off gun. Yeah. Do you remember the short hair being so derogatory in nineteen eighty seven? For the ladies, I don't know because oh. if you think if you think about old mates, uh, the hookers that turn up where he has about seventeen kilos of cocaine off their breasticles, <laughs> they're um, they're both short haired as well, and Nancy Allen's short hair. I don't know. Was it, With was no it remnants, did you know that there was there was no remnants on his face after he'd <laughs> gone into the coke cleavage? 
<laughs> he, it's like he, he like I could understand if your schnooter went in there, right? It'd go straight up. There'd be nothing to waste. But he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a down on the land schnooter, and no. so I'd expect him to be some residue over the face. He's clean as a whistle. I thought he was the mad, expert. The mad, he was expert. The mad, mad Dutchie Paul Verhoeven would have got that a bit closer to reality in the, those scenes. But yeah, um, oh, we're getting a bit off topic now. We better bring it back. Robot Sentries, again from the film Aliens Director's Cut for a scene that we'd like to see a little bit more of for Robocop. It's lean. It's pretty tight, this film. Yeah. There's not a lot of piss farting around. I don't know. I needed to find anything else out. I, yeah. I think they, uh, they were able to get everything across pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought the only thing, the end mill fight is it all happens pretty quick. Like he kills two or three of them straight away. Yeah. And then it just becomes the body car. That that all happens really fast. But I, I don't think you need any more than that. Like we get Toxic Guy. We get Leland Palmer getting blown to the to shit house. We get uh, the body could get stabbed in the throat, which is amazing. A heap yeah. of blood. Holy shit. It's yeah. a good stabbing, that one. Good stabbing. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only thing for me was they, they didn't really do much in the way of the family. They had a couple of quick flashbacks yeah. to the house, and that was really about it. You didn't really learn much about the, the wife and the kid aren't in the movie. They're not even at the hospital when what, he's at the hospital. What, why, is, why is everything burnt in the house? Like he, he's looking through, like, but there's burnt newspapers and stuff on the bench. The house yeah. is for sale. I just yeah, what the fuck is going on there? Yeah. yeah. See, that's the thing. It was all very mixed, and you know, she's got a couple of lines, and that's it. It could have been, there could have been a funeral. And yeah, we could have said goodbye to the to the family, but you don't need to. It doesn't don't really. But they weren't even at the hospital, so they didn't no. really explore that very much and, and put much on the family. They yeah. kind of just stuck with the. He's now turning into Robocop. Yeah, I, I would have enjoyed a bit more of his wife in the POV scene when she was. Uh, it felt like that was going to get pretty kinky pretty quick. So I was well, I, yeah, Verhoeven. That's probably Verhoeven's personal. Yeah, stash. if it was, if he, if he straight into the Verhoeven a, wank bank, <laughs> he may have filmed that and it yeah. didn't make the cut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The yeah. European she's, release had pubes yeah. and boobs for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> she's like, but I got cut out of the film. He goes, no, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't. Nice. Last but not least, Whitey's Brad Pitt for an actor or actors in the film that you would like to have a lie down with in special adult time. I don't know. They're all pretty fugly in this film. No, I got one. I got one. Yeah. So the doctor that kisses him when it's New Year's Eve. She's got the glasses. With the big glass, the big glass. She's a good sort. She's a sneaky good sort. She's a she's all thatter, right? I reckon, you know, dollar (laughs) up a bit. And I I reckon that she's she's a great sort. What were the the two chicks like? four pounds, none the richer. So kiss me. She's got that? Is that the film? She's all that. She's, oh, no, no. she's all that to me. Sixpence, sixpence, none the richer. Sixpence, none the wiser. <laughs> so kiss me. Oh, stop it. What uh, were the two prostitutes or the two girls in his? Yeah, the one I don't on the know. left. The, the brunette's not remember. bad. The brunette's not bad. It doesn't feel that, like anyone got, was was rooting in 1987. Like I don't know, they're all a bit. Which is odd because Verhoeven would have been all over it. You, you yeah. imagine it's like a mass orgy back back, you know, back a house for old yeah. for old PV. Anyway. For sure. All right, that's it. Uh, quick fire. Well done, boys. Not so quick this week, but we'll tighten it up next week. Well done. It's all right. It's all good. It's all good. Okay. Oh, what is that? So we're going to move into Gow's wheelhouse here with we'll listen to this. And you're going to start us off, Gow? Yet again, we've covered quite a few of them. I'll give you a quick one. Peter Weller and Nancy Allen were both born on June 24th, although three years apart. She's three years younger than him. He was born in 47. She was born in 1950. 
Okay. Interesting little stat. Yeah. You, you, I'll tell you what, Gow, you're bringing some actual trivia today. Actual trivia. None of them like Cola Light, though. Right, so okay. That's only Paul Verhoeven. That. Yeah, it's only, he's the only one. Yeah. Okay, i got one here. In, in Sacramento in California, a bank robber fled into a darkened movie theatre that Robocop was playing at and got so engrossed in the movie he sat down and didn't realise that the police had evacuated the whole cinema and arrested him. <laughs> That's a good flick. Oh, oh, my nice. God. Nice work, buddy. You are the top of your food he's chain. Top of the, he's top of the tree. Top of the tree. Anything else, Gal? Uh, what oh, else have we got things. here? Oh, the trauma team that, um, that were portrayed in the movie trying to save Murphy were actually a real hospital trauma team. Yep. That they ad-libbed all of that dialogue in that scene. Yep. So what about that Paul Verhoeven being the master that he is, he realised that the film was behind schedule and over budget. So they actually didn't film the Murphy death scene. Yes. So they went back, they finished, they wrapped, and they went back to the studio and said, here's the movie, watch it. They were like, holy shit, we love what you're doing. He goes, well, we're missing this scene. So they gave him more money to go and film the Murphy death scene. Clever. After the fact. Well, no no wonder it was so over the top. He's probably got heaps of cash. We've got so much to spend. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's exactly. making some cash on this yeah, absolutely. scene. Absolutely. Absolutely. So pretty cool. Like ballsy move. Yeah. Pretty ballsy move, Bob. Pretty ballsy, Bob. <laughs> uh, so what about the, the Robocop suit? Is the most expensive thing on the set worth between half a million to a million dollars? Oh, wow. The suit itself. Yeah. yeah. Well, they put air conditioning in it because it was so yeah. heavy. Yeah. And he couldn't he couldn't actually get in the car with it. No, he had to wear just wear. So yeah. so he wore his undies or, yeah. or or just shorts. Yeah, in the car, and then they had to show you know his boots getting out of it to yeah. to, to you know, portray that he's getting in and out of the car. Yeah, and I got actually I got something on the suit here, uh, somewhere in the back of my memory banks here. So when he's in the drug bust scene where Bodic is in with the Italian guy, and he's sniffing. Sticks his finger in the wine and sticks it in his nostrils, which I don't know why he did that. But anyway, that was odd. Don't think that was scripted. No, I don't think it was. That was that was all uh, that was all bodica. But he's he is walking through shooting these people, listening to Peter Gabriel's song "Red Rain" on a Walkman in the helmet. Yeah, with not being able to hear anything else other than the music and just shooting the people. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah, modern movie making. So I got one last one. So this film was submitted 12 times to the MPAA to finally get an R rating. So imagine what the uncensored, uncensored uh, version was like. Yeah, it's, yeah. Imagine what's on the cutting room floor here. Yeah. Or in Verhoeven's. Or in Verhoeven's special. Wink bank. <laughs> okay, I struggled really hard to find a one degree of Kurt Russell, but I do have... A very loose one degree of Quigley down under. Nice. I I like Quigley down under better anyway. Miguel Ferrer starred in an episode of Magnum P.I. Oh, there you go. There you go. It's one and a half, isn't it? It is. So he wasn't in Quigley, but he was with Quigley himself. Okay. So a notable quotables. And there's a few here, but I reckon we just stick to the main ones. Uh, Gow? Said every yeah, we've single covered one of them that I have down here. I've got, I've got one, yep. and it's uh, after Robocop stabs Bodica at the end. There, 
And Lewis has been shot a thousand times. And he's like, Lewis, Lewis. And she's like, Murphy, I'm a mess. And he goes, they'll fix you. They fix everything. I said, that was cool. <laughs> the, the only other one we missed was with the reporter to Robocop going, Robo, excuse me, Robo, any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. He's a bit Terminator-ish, isn't he's he? Very, like the way very you, Terminator-ish. Way we're, but we're everyone, of... your move, creep, dead or alive, can yeah. you fly, Bobby? We've ton- we've hit all of these. I'll already. buy that for a dollar. Bitches leave. Yeah, yeah, there's bitches there's leave. some quality in there. All right, moving into one of our best segments of the podcast. <laughs> Film school for F-Wits. Yes, fellow F-Wits, definitely in the top seven segments on this podcast. Film school for all of us F-Wits. But this week I thought I would look at films with hidden meanings that you may have missed in the first 40 or so viewings. So Robocop especially. So look, we haven't really dived into some of the themes in this movie, but the Verhoeven definitely um, had, had some pretty lofty ambitions for this film, for, for when he made it. So obviously he was he was tackling the, uh, the issues of creeping authoritarianism in America and, and the exploitable evils of capitalism. I mean, they're, they're pretty um, major themes for the film. But he's actually on record, Behoven, as saying that first and foremost, this film is a riff on the story of Christ. Uh, so, right. Gao, Gao, you'll have to enliven us, uh, being the heathen household that we are. I'm not actually up to date with uh, with most of the, the fundamentals, but I'll, I'll just try and wing it. But uh, apparently, yeah, the um, and certainly it's it, how it manifests mostly in the film is right at the end, Murphy's arms go really crucifix wide when he's shot by Boudicca's gang. So that that's the first sort of incarnation of 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 Verhoeven, the crazy Dutchy pubes and boobs, saying that he's he's going to try and exploit this a bit more and align it with the, the life of Christ. And uh, he's, he's resurrected and at the end, you actually, he's made to look like he's walking on water when he's uh, he comes over to plunge that steel rod into Boudicca's jugular. So... I don't fucking know. Paul Verhoeven could just be taking the piss and going, watch me just watch these press monkeys dance. I'm going to throw <laughs> this in. But no, look, apparently he's, um, he's he's definitely gone on record as claiming that is. And look, he, he, the themes, um, uh, pretty uh, interesting subversion and, and themes do pop up in his other movies, uh, Total Recall and, and Starship Troopers. So Starship Troopers is pretty much, uh, a, it, I mean, they're essentially aligning with fascism and um and a lot of the, the nazism and, and america essentially taking over the world a la world police from team america so it's uh it, and there's a, a lot of genocidal propaganda i guess where these guys are out to to rid the rid the universe of, of these bugs so and it's always uh, throwing to that would you like to know more aside that he uses when he goes into the ads so it's it's a bit of an anachronistic second world war style of combat that he uses i guess to present these themes so it, it, it's certainly he's not just out there to make a a a, a splatter shoot them up fest uh, in all of his films. And I think probably Starship Troopers and Robocop are where those themes are, are most evident. So probably not so much Basic Instinct where he's back to his pubes <laughs> and boobs best. But some of the, the more recent films that I guess you probably didn't really think about what else the director and filmmakers were trying to do, but Groundhog Day. So Harold Ramis and Bill Murray, it's um, obviously a killer hook with what if you do to repeat the, uh, the same day over and over and over again. And that makes for an... Uh, entertaining premise and I think most of us just watched the film and enjoyed his arc as he uh, as he learned to 
come to terms with that. And um, I, I guess that maybe what uh, Ramis has gone on record as saying that he was actually looking at a more Buddhist and existentialist take on the film. So uh, suggesting that in the absence of meaning or purpose, Murray's initially selfish character embraces a, a selfless worldview and that's how he comes out the other side and eventually breaks, breaks the curse. So I think that's pretty wide open to interpretation again it feels like that's a bit of a uh a, a post um a, a post thesis on that particular film but it's definitely uh a, a little bit heavier than the rom-com that i guess the uh, the execs pitched that film as to think that harold ramus r.i.p was actually trying to to say a bit more so a couple of other ones um one that i really enjoyed recently and if you haven't seen strangles et al check out get out jordan peele's absolute surprise horror hit from a few years ago so that on the surface that's just a brilliant film that you just didn't see coming and he subverts a lot of horror tropes and uh, i think the, the acting in there is brilliant but he was also saying a lot about the um the the african-american protagonist and and i guess the uh, the cultural appropriation themes and and modern day enslavement that was aligned to the original um course of african-americans becoming a, a part of, of America and coming over as part of the slave trade. So it literally uh, makes a fairly unsubtle link when uh, the, the the main character is actually picking cotton and shoving it in his ears in order to uh, to avoid the clutches of, uh, of of the white family right at the end. So he uh, his overall message is, is, is important, but it's it's hidden under an otherwise brilliant film. So he, uh, he yeah he respects everyone's intelligence, but there's definitely a lot to pick out of that move if that movie if if you choose to. So um, I, look, I've, there's plenty more. One I've got I've got three more. I'll be really quick though. So did you guys see the picture? Some movie Soul recently. Yes. No. Gout strangles everyone. Go and check, even if you're not into Pixar movies, go and check out Soul. So it it I couldn't believe how complex this was for a family film, but you can enjoy it with your kids. But it pre- presents the afterlife in a in a spiritual way that probably most of us haven't given a lot of, of thought to. Um, but it's, it's a wannabe jazz musician, Joe Gardner, and he accidentally dies and he finds himself in purgatory and in, in the great before. But uh, long story short, he goes down to, um, to earth again with, a, with a, a soul that he's trying to find a, uh, find a help for. But he, he basically appreciates the little things in life that he perhaps didn't see when he was uh, struggling through his normal day-to-day life. And it, it's, a bit, it's quite a beautiful film. And he's watching things like a simple leaf falling to ground that they animate in that in that Pixar way. And it just takes the audience along and captures everything, I guess, the movie wants to say about perhaps um, looking more at the, the great things that we all can enjoy. And, yeah, just, just really, I guess, a lot more depth in that film than you would normally get from uh, the, the same studio that brings uh, Frozen and the, the, the rest of the, uh, the the Pixar movies. So, yeah, definitely, definitely a, a YOLO type. You only live once that the kids like to say type uh, aha moment in, in watching Soul. But look, two more really quick ones. Star Wars is apparently really about the Vietnam War. Right. Okay. I see that. I don't. George Lucas is no. apparently on record <laughs> as saying that he thought uh, the tiny peaceful Ewoks were like the Viet Cong fighters battling against the might of the American war machine. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and the Come Dark on, Knight, the Dark Knight's really about the war on terror. So, uh, okay. yeah, I guess uh, he, he, the, he thinks that 
the uh, it's no longer clear, I guess, who the bad guy is in that film where you've got uh, the, the Joker and Batman's going increasingly off the rails. And there's certainly... Uh, Christopher Nolan has said that there's parallels with America's War and Terror that run throughout that film. Fuck, I don't know. I'd have to watch it again to uh, to agree with Mr. Nolan. But, yeah, just look, just wanted to throw it out there, uh, fellow F-wits, that some of these films that we've all enjoyed just because they're splatterfests or we could quote the Mad Nauseam for years and years on end, there was a bit more going on when the uh, the authors were, were creating them. It'll be interesting to know how many of those were thought up after the fact. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, yeah. How many a, people have made a theory about it yeah. after watching it? Yeah, definitely. Okay, uh, some, some post rationale going on there, but yeah, we're food for thought. Yeah, speaking of post rationale, we're now moving into Stan Bush Kickass Credit Song, and as we mentioned earlier, it looks like it's a double feature. And we're going to have the G-Man up first, as it was actually his go, and Dan's written one as well. Gout, what's the name of your song? Well, we renamed it earlier. It's now called Don't Feel Nothing. Oh! It was Don't Feel Sad or Don't Feel Bad. Now now it's Don't Feel Nothing. Oh, it can be whatever. whatever. Uh, I'm interested to hear the tune. I wonder if we've gone back to an old... No. It's no, new? Sticking, yeah. It's original? Yeah. Oh, well done. I did have another tune for this, but... Uh... I didn't make it work. Maybe I'll give you a little bit of that at the end. Maybe. All right, here we go. Don't feel sad. Alex Murphy was on his first day. Took Fredericton's spot. He got blown away. Found out first shift. Detroit is no hobby. His car got taken out by flying Bobby. <laughs> Will he and Lewis wait for backup? I think not. We see then that Murphy can really take a shot. Eight to the body, the last one to the head. Made it to hospital, but clinically dead. <laughs> now Morton's got his chance. He goes in for the kill. Takes on Omni number two. It's Captain Bogomil. Metro's got a new cop who's supposed to be machine, but he still sees his family because he can dream. Don't feel sad because Murphy got shot. Omni just turned him into RoboCop. Bodica's gang, don't be believing, but trust me, he's going to get even. Yeah, don't feel sad for the dude in the shop. He's in the fridge now. He's going to stop. Then we hear Bixby Snyder on the TV holler. Yeah, I'll buy that for a dollar. Oh, gee, man. Oh, so much going on there, G. There's a lot. You covered like, the whole fucking movie. No, no. I added that. I, I was trying to add a second uh, chorus, and then that just came out. That was good. Well done, G. You're underrated. In many areas. Overrated. (laughs) Okay, Dan, well, going second is never hard to do, um, especially at Lake Park. But we will have a crack, uh, second and seventh. This one is far less Bernie Torbin-esque. Uh, it just I got got me thinking how violent that the uh, the when uh, Murphy gets shot and gets his hand shot off by the shotgun, and then uh, just thinking Oof. when they and then when uh, old mate just decides that oh, no fuck his his good arm off. We don't need that. We want to put well uh, we want him to be full cyborg. We got no use for his real arm. So just just maybe think that you know Murphy and and the Robocop. You don't need hands to hold you. So. It's a bit, a bit more of a love ballad this this week, so here we go. Oh, rock on. Don't need hands to hold you. The shot rings out. Another one, too. Yet another quick burst. The bullets get through. My right hand is gone. How will I wank? Phew, my left one still works. No, wait. It's off with a yank. But as this story unfolds, 
The point blank shots to the head. I realize I don't need heads to hold. My wizard can hold on to us instead. <laughs> don't need hands to hold you. Our love will survive well below the neck. I don't need hands to hold you. Feel our connection with my pants down instead. I don't need hands to hold you. Just a hole in my robo suit. I don't need hands to hold you. You know what this rhyme's going to be. Our love can still thrive when we robo root. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Wow. Don't need hands to hold you. I love ballad. I love Stan Bush kick-ass credits on. You know how we talked about there's no extra scene that needed in the movie? Yeah. That was, that we was, do, a, real, we need a, that was a real addition, Morgs. That could be the one. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> well, <sighs> I'm going to be singing that all night. Oh. Don't need hands to hold you. Fucking hell. All right. Uh. Look, let's let's move while we're still on the up. Let's move into star of the show. Uh, we'll start with you, Dan. Who's your MVP of RoboCop? Oh, look, it's a, it's a it's a dead heat for me with uh, Peter Weller and Paul Verhoeven. I think without both of them, this is a very fucking weird movie. It's weird enough with both of them in it. But I think that Weller just went to extremes to make Robocop an incredible character and, and such a mainstay, I guess, of, of our culture and our viewing history from 87. And then Verhoeven, it was just the start of him going off a tear, getting out of pubes and boobs and into the, the American filmmaking with uh, some absolute monster hits that we love for Total Recall and Starship Troopers, which I'm sure we'll do in the future. So, yeah, dead dead, dead heat for those two. Excellent. Well played, G-Man. Yeah, gee, I was thinking exactly the same yeah. thing. Like between the two of them, between Peter Weller and, and Verhoeven, they've done so well. I mean, Verhoeven is a really good direction in this movie and, and Peter Weller does so well, especially as we said as the movie goes on. So I'm going to stick with – I'm going to go with Morgs on that. Yeah, I, I, I thought coming in tonight that I'd be going Miguel Ferrer, Bob Morton. I really like him. I think he's really good, but it is so difficult. I, I'm, I'm going to go three from three here. I'm going with uh, with the two top brasses. I'm going to go with Verhoeven and, and Weller. Couldn't happen without them. Uh, it was great. Okay. Now, seriously, one of the most violent movies I've seen in some time, but a really enjoyable rewatch. And if you love this... What else can we recommend for you to watch? Gao is going to recommend Six Sense again because he's not done this. So if you liked Robocop, Gao's suggesting you watch Six Sense. And Dan, what about you? Yeah, I. Hang on. Hang on. He wants to retort here. I was actually going to suggest Wired Up. <laughs> it's very <laughs> similar. Gunfighters. They're gunfighters. They're gunfighters. Yeah. But in, in that movie, his brothers get killed not him but oh, in this movie right. he gets killed, so it's very similar yep okay well gauss suggesting and his partner's wider is doc holiday okay yep absolute like lewis <laughs> yep i can see the parallels here so uh dan what have you got yeah i uh, this one got me thinking about just how violent it was and and the practical effects and how gory it was and i think uh, if you were get, to go back around 1987 what other films we were watching there were some really interesting sci-fi films and and i guess uh Films that 
picked up. They were a little different, I guess, than what you would see today, especially with the plethora of comic book films. But one that stood out for me as if you watch this, you've got to watch this, was actually called Bad Taste, which was... Oh, please. Which was Peter Jackson's film. So he made it in New Zealand, in and around Wellington himself. And uh, he made the film for about 25,000 bucks before he, uh, he showed it to the uh, New Zealand Film Commission, they kicked in another couple of hundred to get it. It's a, it's sort of worldwide release. But, yeah, just, a, a, just a, a brilliant, different, interesting film that, whilst not, not exactly similar themes to Robocop, just an amazing feat of filmmaking, I think, at the time and, uh, and launched Peter Jackson onto the world to, to become the, um, the Wepper genius that he that is to this day. So, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if it's on Plex, but, but dig it out. And, and go and check it out. You will not be disappointed. Bad Taste. I'll tell you what, no one who'd seen Bad Taste or Meet the Deedles from Peter Jackson would ever have thought that he would become the guy that he was to helm Lord of the not. Rings. He was just a, fil- a film nerd that just loved the process <laughs> of film and, and making yeah. stories. And, yeah, I just I, you, you're watching a genius born, I guess, with this film. But uh, it's, it's definitely – it's pretty out there, but, uh, but worth a look. Okay, well done. I've got a couple because I'm making up for Gao here. So I do have, firstly, is 2012's Dread with Carl Urban and Olivia Thirlby. Uh, so that was the second one. Not, that uh, was the not second the one. So one. Not, the not, the, not, yeah, not one. Judge Dread no. with uh, Sylvester Stallone and Armand Asante. Yeah. But Terrible. the Carl Urban, Olivia Thirlby one, which is essentially a remake of the movie The Raid, that we have covered here on Born to Watch. Yeah. Uh, it's a great movie. Uh, same dystopian future, uh, you know, same violence. It's it's a great watch. It's great fun. Uh, well worth it. So catch that one. Another one, which is, well, one is a Paul Verhoeven movie. I'll just get out of the way. Total Recall. So this would be a great double feature with Total Recall. But the other one, which is another Schwarzenegger flick, is The Running Man. Oh! I was going to say The Running Man. Yeah. yeah. So I think this is probably more aligned with The Running Man than any other movie. Uh, it, it's great. It's the whole, um, again, it's OCP. It's it's the it's the it's the consumerism. It's the it's you know businesses taking over the world. It's it's everything. It's it's great. I love The Running Man. We will cover it on this on this podcast for sure. It's a great film and a great book actually. Steven Spielberg. Uh, Steven Spielberg. Stephen King book. I got yeah, one. good choice. Both good what calls. About Dem- what about Demolition Man? Sly. Yeah. Um, Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. It's got the partner. Got the partner. He's got the female partner in yeah. there. It's it's a bit. You know, they go into the future. It's, yes. You know, he's chasing. It's a good the bad movie. Guys. I watched it not long it's ago. Movie. It's very much similar to that. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So that's actually a good one. Well done, Gow. Yeah, you guys can get fucked. That was good. <laughs> Gow said the fuck word. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, okay, well, well done. Now we're going to move into the rank bank. This is where stuff gets serious. We're going to rate it out of five. And I have got a few things here to choose from. It was hard, this one, actually, because it all revolved around people just being killed. Uh, but I've got death spikes, uh, leaving bitches, targeting systems, incredible game show hosts, and toxic Avengers are the five I have. Do anyone else have anything? What about 6,000 XUX? Oh, actually, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. The 6,000 6, SUX. The 6,000 sucks. Yeah, okay. So good one. Good one, Dan. So then 
We're going to start with you up there on the land, Daniel. And how many 6,000 SUXs are you going to give the running man? It's running man. Well, I'll give the running man five. But we <laughs> okay. that. Hey, let's start this. Let's start that again. How many 6,000 SUXs? <laughs> hold on, hold Fucking on. Fucking hell. Is that going on Instagram? Probably. That has to go on Instagram. Give, if I'm, I'm on Instagram, you're on Instagram. How many 6,000 SUXs are you giving? Robocop. Yeah, I, I haven't seen this for ages. I thoroughly enjoyed this uh, reviewing. I think it's a, a great film. It's a snapshot in time. It's Rick's 1987 to me. I'm going to give it three and a half, 6,000 XUXs and uh, won't be really condoing it, but probably won't see it again for some time. Okay, what about you, G-Man? I'm pretty much on board with that. Uh, it was it's, it was good. To, it was a good rewatch. I didn't mind it. It is definitely a time capsule movie. It was 87. Fun flick to watch. Could certainly watch it again. Thought the start, didn't think the acting at the start was very good with the gang, but but apart from that, I thought you know the the, the more you watch it again, the more you, you remember why you like it. So yeah. I'm gonna give it three point seven five. G Gout, you've been rough the last few weeks and given some pretty low scores. Three point seven five is pretty good, and I'm giving you the tip that I am with you with that. I'm giving this three point seven five six thousand SUXs, and we're gonna go across to you. I'm just gonna clip here and go. So we're doing Robocop or Running Man? <laughs> uh, we'll do Robocop this time. And it is. All right. So coming in at 3.67, 6,000 SUXs, it is equal with Avatar at 3.67. Scowls. Nice demo. Uh, right above Major League at 3.58, pissed on contracts. And below, there's something about Mary with 3.68 francs and beans. So 0.01. That something about Mary's in there. So that oh, brings yeah. us into into 24th spot. Right in the middle. Right well, sort in of the in the middle. Middle-ish. Middle, bottom middle. <laughs> if that's a thing. But I can't believe. Semi-bottom semi middle. So can you believe that we've we've ranked Robocop above Tombstone? It's above Major League. It's above some good movies, man. It's above Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, well, I can get that. I'll watch Robocop before I watch Catch Me If You Can again. So, That's for sure. So. Uh, yeah. But below Step Brothers, Predator, Beverly Hills Cop. No, it's, it's, uh, it's in good. It's in good. Uh, I don't know what I'm fucking saying here. All right. Instagram's getting a workout. Oh, this fucking week. hell. I'm tired. It's been a long day. Okay, guys. What are we watching? I'm going to start with you, G Man. The Last of Us. Uh, episode five yeah. was excellent. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, and then you're saying there's another one out. It's not tonight because it came out early. So it's going to be uh, next on week. Friday. We'll wait till next week. Yeah, but uh, yeah, wow. Really good episode again. Another gripping one. Yeah, what about the bloater? The big fella at the end. Yeah. Just ripping the head. Yeah, that oh, was that was uh, that was good. I don't want to watch it yet, Dan. I don't want to no, give too much away uh, because. No, it's, it's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm the yeah. same. That's what I've I know a lot of lot watchers may not have may not have watched it yet. So I don't want to yeah, give too much away, but it's. But it is another cracking episode that leaves us sitting again, you know, really I think, waiting I think for this comes. is the best episode we've had. Like, yeah. I really enjoyed the one with Bill and Frank. But I think in terms of the actual progressing the story yes. and, and seeing what the, I guess, infected are like, this was the best one by far. Yeah. Yeah, it was excellent. What about you, Dan? Yeah, same. I can't think of anything else I've been watching. The Last of Us is definitely... I'm sure I've, uh, I've I've checked out other things, but The Last of Us is what is top of mind for me. So yeah, check it out, Fwits. It's excellent. Yeah, it's great. 
I, I'm obviously watching that. Uh, I also took uh, Isabel to see Titanic in 3D yesterday at the movies um, for Valentine's Day. A bit of a daddy-daughter date. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, you know, I'd never, I hadn't seen it in the cinema. It's a long movie. Again, no pisses. Oof. I'm become Piss a, free. yeah. I've become the uh, Herb Elliot of uh, long movies, uh, no pisses. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, guys, it's a, it's a limited it's a limited release, and if you've not seen Titanic in the cinema, it's they've redone it in 3D, and it's excellent. I really enjoyed it. Uh, James Cameron is just a absolute freak. Uh, how he can make anyone enjoy a love story about the Titanic is beyond me. But he did it, and it did scoop the pool with eleven Oscars. All right, another great episode of Born to Watch is in the bag. And now we're going to talk about what we're going to do for next week and get you guys prepped and ready. And we're going to go into the 80s. What are we doing, Gal? Tell me. We're going to watch a really funny old 80s movie, Can't Buy Me Love. Patrick Dempsey. Patrick Dempsey. We mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. So we thought, why not? Let's revisit it. One I of his not... earlier funny movies. But this is going to be a cracker. I'm looking forward to watching this. this. I haven't watched this in a long time. This is going to be demo numbers for me, I think. Yeah. This yep. will be demo numbers. Yep. It's going to be good. And shout out to, to Joshy G, who's been a trooper watching movies. I mean, he's going to like this one. He I'm going like to introduce him to it. Definitely. You'll love this one, buddy. Yeah, he will. Well done, Joshy. I hope you've recovered from watching Robocop with your dad. <laughs> uh, just on that, was Chrissy in the house when this was happening? What do you mean? <laughs> Okay, she doesn't listen to this anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and if she does, she doesn't get this deep into it. It was the prime. It was the prime version. So yeah, right, excellent. Okay, well that's it from us for this week. And next week it is can't buy me love. I hope that you did enjoy RoboCop as much as we did. So for now, catch you later. See you, everybody. Don't need hands to hold you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Born to Watch. To join us on our journey into some of our favourite movies of all time, you can find us on all good podcast networks like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star review and share with your friends.